think one of the coolest things about this community is that we can all have such different stories, like incredibly different stories, and we can all feel the same in so many different ways. Today, you're going to meet Tracy. Tracy is a mom who ended up with a motherhood journey that, like most of us, we're like, how the heck did we get here and what the heck are we doing? But Tracy's handling it just like most of us are with grace and humor. And uh, I have to say, like, she's managing teenage years. I can't even, y'all, teenagers, teenagers, bless all of you who have teenagers. Today, Tracy's talking about her journey into motherhood and how they were foster parents and then adopted their children. She is talking about how some of her children have mental health struggles and what that looks like for her as a parent. And we just connect on so many different levels that even I, I know Tracy, but I was surprised at how many similarities our very different journeys had. So sit back and welcome Tracy. Hi, I'm Susan, and this is When Autumn Comes. Look, sometimes life just looks a little different than we thought it would. This is a podcast for mamas and the people who love them, whose lives were flipped upside down as a doctor looked into her eyes and explained our child's prognosis. Or for the caregivers who get very little sleep as they face symptoms and behaviors that just aren't typical for other children. This is a place where we can take on this journey together, because we know that this can be a sad, lonely, misunderstood path. But we also know that as the darker days and colder temperatures begin to appear, so do the golden leaves and beautiful sunsets of autumn. We know that life comes in seasons. We know that in our world, 24 hours can hold so much change that it can feel like four seasons in one day. We are here to help you share your story, let you laugh, let you cry, help you learn and help you grow together with other mothers when autumn comes. What On Up Comes podcast is a program of the Apricity Hope Project, a nonprofit organization created to empower, encourage, and restore caregivers of medically complex and special needs children. You can learn more about our project at apricityhope.org. Okay. Well, welcome to When Autumn Comes, Tracy. I am excited to have you here and share your family with everyone. Do you want to start by kind of just introducing yourself and talk about your family a little bit? Sure. Thanks so much for having me today. My name is Tracy, and I'm a mom of five wonderful kids. The interesting thing about my journey is that I did not actually birth any of these children. Um, They came to our family in in different ways. So I do have a stepson who is in his 30s and married and is living his best life. Um, (laughs) And it's just great to see that the journey does come into adulthood. And when I married my husband, we knew we'd wanted to have a family as well. And through a lot of ups and downs and different journeys that happened along the way, we weren't having our own children. And so it came to me to explore the idea of adoption. And when I looked into adoption, I also found that to be a very difficult and frustrating path with a lot of ups and downs as well, because it's just not easy to say, I want to adopt and then it happens. But yeah, it's definitely a long process. Um, And it was very emotional to realize that Mm -hmm. that, too, was going to be a very emotional journey. 
And then I learned about foster parenting to adoption. And I realized and I learned that there are literally hundreds and thousands of children whose parental rights have been terminated and these children are just looking for forever homes. And so we looked more into foster parenting and thought uh, that would be a great way for us to go. It also helped with some of the barriers to adoption, like getting a home study done, which is very expensive, and some of the other costs that come associated with adoption. So can you, before we dive in, can you explain what the protocol, how does it work to foster to adopt? So there's lots of different agencies that seek foster parents each year because there's always a need to have foster parents Mm -hmm. because when families do what we just did, right, we were foster parents and then we became adoptive parents. So we couldn't be foster parents anymore. So they're always looking for more families to become foster parents. And so you have a home study where they spend Mm -hmm. months literally training and going through a home study, which covers everything you would expect it to and more, I would say. And then um, lots of interviews to make sure you understand what you're going into. I would say it was very helpful and it prepares you and you still walk through life to realize you're not mm-hmm. really prepared for everything because you can't be <laughs> just like um, None all of the other are. moms that we talk to, <laughs> exactly. right? I've realized that our journey is just like we're just parents, just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. You don't know what you're going to get on the other side of the journey when your child arrives. So it's a surprise for all of us. And sometimes those surprises are really fun and great and positive and encouraging and exactly what you always dreamed they would be when you were a little girl and you said you wanted to be a mom. And sometimes they're really challenging and difficult and scary journeys. And so mine's been just like yours, just like everybody else's, a little bit of both. So we had this joke when my husband and I got married because he is from a very large family of boys. And like six brothers, we have like 14 nephews, one niece. And we always just joked if we were going to get girls, we would have to adopt. We didn't realize that was actually going to have to be our (laughs) truth, but there it was. So we decide foster parenting. And the cool thing about foster parenting is we got to say to them, look, we'd love to have children in this age group or this many children. And there's a lot of things that you get to talk about, right? (laughs) So Mm -hmm. folks said, you probably won't get a baby. And I was like, that's cool because I had a job and I didn't know that I could take care of a baby. So we thought we would do elementary age children because they could go to school and we could go to work. And, you know, um, that's what we prepared for in our heads and trained for. So the journey takes several months. We went through a city organization, but there are lots of other organizations that need foster parents and train and support foster parents. So if it's interesting to somebody, I would say explore it. If it's on your heart, I say learn more, and then you'll know Mm -hmm. if it's for you. Here's a question, Yeah, as long as we're skipping around. Mm -hmm. Uh, Are there often disabled children that need fostering? Because I know a lot of this community has special needs disabled children. And when I was in the hospital in the NICU, I saw many babies mm-hmm. that had been left. Is that a thing? Like, is that something that people who have a background in taking care of sick kids, are there sick kids who need fostering? Yes, there are children that have lots of unique needs. And I would say sometimes those unique needs are medical And sometimes those unique needs are social emotional and sometimes they're behavioral and sometimes they're, you know, academic loss. I mean, there's, yes, there's, they're just kids out there looking for homes. 
Yeah. That's yeah. what it is. And some of them are in sibling groups. Some of them are not. Some of them are older. Some of them are not. It's, mm-hmm. they're just kids that want homes. I will say that a lot of times the younger children, as you would expect, are not the ones. If you look on like the Heart Gallery and those situations where they show ch- children in our state who are seeking homes, a lot of times you will see that some of the children are sibling groups that want to stay together and others are older children who really are just looking for a forever connection because you know it doesn't matter if you're 18 or you're 21 you want somewhere to go for thanksgiving you want somewhere to celebrate the holidays you want somebody to know it's your birthday and that's what these kids are looking for is the same thing that we get as adults that are still connected to a family so tell us about your family. So our family started very, very different. So we go through all the training. Our home study is approved. We get our first call, and it it was for a baby. And we're like, <laughs> and you're like we don't have what? a crib. And so that was super fun because we were like, oh, my gosh, we never thought we'd get a baby. And we didn't have a crib. We didn't have, you know, we didn't have stuff. So what I realized is you literally do not need nine months to prepare for a child. You can do that in less than one week. And so so we said we're getting a baby. And it was so exciting because the thought was that this child was going to be close to the parental rights being terminated and that child would be up for adoption. I was like, oh, my gosh, our first child will be ours potentially. And my hopes got super excited. So we did everything we could in less than a week like letting our parents know that they were going to be grandparents. And so, you know, it was just everything that anybody else does, I think, when they find out that they're finally going to become parents. So I remember sending my mom a balloon bouquet at work that says, hello, grandma, on it. And it was just really a great time, but a very fast time. And so our baby came with a crib, thank gosh. And uh, (laughs) You didn't have to put her in a dresser drawer, so. Right, it just works out. So a small infant, a couple of months old, and I would tell you the first grandchild on my side of the family, um, not obviously on my husband's side of the family, but her feet never hit the floor because we didn't let them. Like this, uh, wow, changed her, you know, outfits 27 times a day. It's just like (laughs) everything. It it was very special. And we just, it, it was dream come true. Just like when you bring your baby home from the hospital, I imagine. And everything was just smashingly perfect in every way. You know, child care came together. Families came together. It was just really amazing. And then several months into it, we got the phone call that said, um, Grandma's home study came through in California. And she's coming next week to take the baby and her brother who was in another foster home back and I knew why Mm -hmm. that was best my heart didn't know my head knew Mm -hmm. and that was really 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 a dark dark time and I remember calling the social workers and going I don't understand this this is what you said like can't we say something in court we don't understand like how is this all going to happen and you know, really just throwing spaghetti in the wall, trying to stop this from happening. And I remember this intern social worker they had who, I think they just had her call me instead um, because I just cried and cried and cried and cried because I left my child. This was my child. And I didn't know how I was going to say goodbye. So I remember telling the social worker if, she said, I imagine this would be hard. One day you have a baby and the next day you don't. And I remember saying to her, really? 
You think this is hard? All I know is you better get me another baby pretty darn fast. And she didn't miss a beat. She said, how about twins? And I'm like, yep. I asked no questions. I just said yes. I didn't even ask my husband. I just said yes because I couldn't imagine going home to not having a child. So the day we dropped off our sweet baby girl, we went into one room and let her go with her grandparents. We cried our eyes out for about 45 seconds, and we walked into another room and picked up two sweet baby girls. And we brought them home, and one of them cried as much as I did, so it was great. (laughs) It just rocked and cried and rocked and cried and rocked and cried, and I think she needed it as much as I did. We knew by then that those babies were temporary. We knew their grandmother was coming to get them soon. So we had twins for several months, and it was hilariously fun and exhausting all at the same time. And they didn't have any unique needs. They were just baby twins that, you know, I don't think they ever crawl in the same direction for a reason. Like, it was, um, and I learned with those babies where we never let our other baby touch the floor that I learned that you can parent with one diaper bag, one spoon, one bucket. <laughs> you don't need all of these things. But the day that those babies left was a very hard day in my parenting journey. And we did come home to an empty house with no kids. And then in December, we got a phone call about nine days before Christmas asking if we could take five kids for the weekend. And this was our first intake from actual Child Protective Services. The other children had been in other foster homes for a while, so this was new to us. We literally picked up these children um, with nothing. And I would say to you, they were ages one, two, three, four, and five. And the one, two, and three-year-old are still with us. That was 2005, and here Mm -hmm. we are. It's been the longest weekend of my life, is what I tell (laughs) the social worker. (laughs) These children had significant needs, and... um, and the hardest thing sometimes is to realize that while they are sibling groups, that children's needs are so significant that sometimes they need more than one mom and one more than one dad. And so sometimes children have to be, unfortunately, separated so that they can get the care that they need to heal. That was very hard. And so three of those children are still with us. We picked up another one along the way. So we have a sibling group of three and another child that came to us through foster care. And we adopted all of our children actually on the same day and became a together family in 2010. So that journey from fostering to adoption was several years for us. Yeah. And for these kiddos, because there's a process that has to take place and we have to go to court. And it's important for investigations to happen properly. It's important for families to have opportunities to come forward. And so it was a longer journey for our family to become a family. And here we are. And so they're adults, almost all adults now, but still kids. They're still little kids in many ways. Yeah. And this wasn't the direction I was going to go with this conversation, but I can't help being the mom on the other side who has lost one of her children. Mm -hmm. And... I mean, you've experienced not the same loss, but a very similar loss. And as you're talking about coming home to not having a child at home, it just, my heart breaks. And I've often said throughout my weird motherhood journey that I almost feel like I'm a foster mom for God Mm. and that these kids were sent to me with very short life expectancies And I don't know when they're going to be taken back. And to hear your experience where you got a phone call and they were gone, I just, 
we obviously are on very different paths, but my heart just goes like, I got a, I took her into the ED and she was gone three days later. Like it's so similar yet different. And they're both not what as moms we ever thought we would be doing. Right. Right. Absolutely. I think the grief journey, grief is part of my parenting journey. And I recognize that very much. And I, you know, try to package it up and keep it tidy. And some days it's easier to do. And some days it's, Mm -hmm. it's not. Um, I was blessed by a little gift from God a couple of years ago because the twins, I know where they went and that family chose to stay in touch with us. Now the twins, I don't think now, and that's great. That's cool. But every once in a while I get a little picture or something and that just Mm -hmm. warms my heart. But the first baby, we didn't think we would ever see again or hear about again. And so my heart just wonders, like, I hope that was the right decision. I just have to trust it was the right decision because I don't know. And I wanted to judge, you know, and say I was be a better parent for her than her family would be a better. You know, I I -hmm. went through all that anger and um, sadness. And about two years ago, I got a message on Facebook from her. She found us and it was just, a just all I needed because it was just, I just wanted to say thank you. And I'm like, how did you know? And she said, I've always had the scrapbooks that you gave my grandma and my mom made beautiful scrapbooks for all of our children. And, um, it was so sweet. She said, as a young teenager now, I just wanted to say thank you. And I speechless it was just a little gift from god like right before christmas two years ago and i was like all the babies are okay yeah and my children have two siblings that we still stay in touch just so we know how they're doing and mm-hmm. so in many ways people say how's your family tree and i'm like we don't have a tree we have like a big crazy bush because <laughs> like, <laughs> my kids have siblings um and my youngest kid has other siblings and yeah, we're just a bush. We just a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and we don't a little bush. That we don't hasn't know. Really been groomed properly. Right, we're not like right. one of those Pinteresty bushes that's no, no. been shaped in. No, and we don't know much about the rest of the bush, but you know, here we are. So um, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's just us. It's that's yeah. how it is. It's just us. So so now, how slash why we are going to respect teenage privacy yes. here? But some of the children have had educational delays, mm-hmm. mental delays. Tell us a little bit about what brings you to a podcast for medically complex special needs. Trauma is <laughs> um, real. Early yeah. childhood trauma is real. And you can't love that away. You just can't. The older children are when they come into care, the more trauma actually they've seen and experienced. And young babies also have trauma and concerns that come from in utero and lack of um, maternal care and that sort of thing. And then what kids see, witness, experience, live through is not the life that I saw, experienced, and lived through. And so I've learned everything um, through, through the parenting journey. And so abuse does happen right here in our backyards, and abuse is nasty. It's just nasty. Mm-hmm. And whether the kids actually remember it in their brain or their bodies remember it, it comes out in lots of different ways. And so I had a child who at one point was 18 months old before they walked 
before they talked. Uh, there was just delays there, and there was medical challenges that we had to solve for that child. And so we spent hours and days and weeks at Children's Hospital of the King's Daughters trying to peel back the layers of the onion to figure out what was the root issue for this, this little weak child who could not speak, could not communicate. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, exhausting. I look back and I go, how did I work this job, raise five kids? At one point, we had five kids in the house in foster care and take care of this kid that every once in a while you would just go to the ED for what you thought was an asthma attack and you'd spent a week in the hospital. And I literally did not leave. Like people would bring me some clothes and I would say thanks and then I'd go back to the room because I wasn't walking away from my kid. And uh, we went through a lot of different departments trying to test for cystic fibrosis and doing this test and this scan and this and that and the other. Um, Lots of medical professionals. Everybody was doing their best. I I truly believe that. And I imagine you don't know their full genetic history. Correct. So, yeah. And the fact we potentially could have had more because we had some of her siblings, right? But that Mm -hmm. didn't – they were all different. They all had different things, and none of them had these medical issues. And so it was really a nut to crack. Uh, But the professionals were so helpful. And early on, we were still in foster care, so we had additional supports around us that were just trying to solve it. I mean, I was going to ask, did you have any judgments from like any judgment or any extra help or anything like was it one way or another because you were just a foster mom in air quotes or I think in some areas it was helpful because people were like wow you're really so awesome to help this child like you're you're trying to and and they gave us a lot of grace and a lot of support and a lot of extra help and other people I think don't know how to react emotionally to foster parents because they go how you do it? Like, doesn't that hurt? Isn't mm-hmm. it hard? I'm like, really? I mean, the questions we get as moms with fragile children or different experiences are kind of dumb sometimes. And you just want to yeah. look at people and go, did you really? Just let yeah. that come out of your mouth. And um, so in some places it opened other doors and other places, you know, people really shied away from us. I think they were um, afraid they would be sad. And I think some people just can't feel sad. And so they step away. And sometimes mm-hmm. that was that was hard to realize people that had been closer with us stepped away because they didn't know what to do. And I, I mean, I can speak to that, too, yeah. because I have very close friends that I haven't talked to in years because they like grief is awkward for them. And it's really awkward for us. Like, I don't think people on the outside of the grief circle understand that it's just as awkward and uncomfortable for me as it is for them like I don't know what I'm doing I just you know like and and people step away because it's awkward and it feels icky and no one wants to feel sad yeah I get it I mean I get it and we still got to take care of these kids like who's who's going to if we yeah don't have these support circles so Mm -hmm. it's it was a journey to get medical care figured out just like I'm sure any mom with a young child that can't communicate that we don't know where they hurt we don't know how they feel we Mm -hmm. don't know why they keep getting sick and you just get exhausted through the whole thing well and I have rare disease children and we don't understand their disease but at least we have the genetic portion of this is because of a rare recessive gene that both mom and dad had and you know they can I mean 
Lorelai was the 31st documented case. So there was a classroom of kids to compare to. But in your case, like, you don't know if this was because of mom didn't follow the rules when she was pregnant or if this is some genetic issue that goes back generations. Like, it, it's got to be frustrating and... Mm-hmm. Like, you're just circling the same thing we are, except you're missing that one piece of the why. I hadn't thought about that. But, yeah, I think, yeah, we just are so busy on our own journeys. You just go. Mm -hmm. At some point, I just felt like this is what every other parent did, though. Like, I didn't know any different. It was later when some of the diagnosis came together that helped us at least kind of clear a path. And I would say the earlier that you can get diagnosis, it's just so much helpful, much more helpful when you put them in school and you get to that point in the social, emotional gaps are legit in our family. (laughs) Um, Some days I feel like my kids are probably five to six years younger than in some ways. And other ways I'm like, yep, they're right on target. You know, we're, we're teenagers. Ooh, that's a barrel of fun. Um, (laughs) But in other areas, I think they're young. And then we just went through a global pandemic, which just, I think, delayed so many people's social, emotional growth. So I think we're still kind of navigating what that impact is for our kids. Mm -hmm. But honestly, dealing with mental health diagnosis on little children that people don't want to diagnose, but you need Mm -hmm. a plan. So you almost need a diagnosis to get a plan. I mean, that's just this crazy circle that you can't freaking get out of the hamster wheel some days. And so working to find the right support folks was a journey you know we always knew we would need therapy so my kids have have had therapists because I when they're ready I wanted them to have the relationship with somebody I didn't want to have to build the relationship in the middle of the crisis so my kids have uh, always had therapists which I think has been helpful for them Mm -hmm. and for me because um you know when I dreamed about being a mom and having a squad of kids you know in my dream they had manners, um, they had matching outfits, they were helpful, and you know, we, we didn't have outbursts, nobody flipped their wig, you know, and they matched, right? Really, I was stuck on this thing, like, we were always going to have matching outfits for holidays and, you know, all of that stuff, mm-hmm. and um, that is exactly not what I have. <laughs> so I think every mom listening right now is like, uh-huh. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, that is exactly not what I have. Yeah, I say uh, the last day I attempted to dress my kids in matching clothes was actually for our final adoption celebration and ceremony. And it took so much effort to get the the picture, right? And then we leave the courthouse and we have a helium balloon somebody given them and we had some stuffed animals and somebody gave us these bags of stuff. Like everybody was just... So excited, and I remember trying to cross St. Paul Boulevard with four children because my husband had to go back to work. And while the outfits matched, like the balloon went up in the air, somebody dropped the stuffed animal, and my kids literally didn't know how to cross the street (laughs) because we live in the country. And so they just started walking, and I'm like, ah! And... (laughs) And I'm, like, exhausted. By the time I get to the car, I'm, like, a sweaty mess. My hair is all messed up. And I'm, like, what did I just do here? So I <laughs> literally actually, right after signing the papers, you're yeah, like, oh, my gosh. Never got a picture in the courthouse of all of them together. And I was, like, what happened? So we got home, and I remember trying to get the picture of the kids all matching and everything. And I don't have one picture where they're all looking at the camera, where they're all smiling, where somebody's, like, not doing, you know, fingers behind somebody's head. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is us right here. This is this is the Mitfisk group. And so... This is 
this is more real life than Pinterest, <laughs> it's just though. so real like, life it is so yeah it is hilarious and so two years ago my kids um saw that picture where they're all dorked out being the silly fake picture and they recreated it for me it was hilarious so they're trying to sit on the same bench and make the same faces mm-hmm. they did 10 years before. And I just laughed because I was like, yeah, I just need to let my kids be themselves in many ways. I just am supposed to guide them on this path that yeah. um, may be broader than I think it should be. <laughs> like maybe yeah. I think it's a more narrow path. They think it's a broader path. At the end, I think we're all going to be okay. But the journey is... Uh, the journey's the journey, and yeah. I think we just always have to to stay ready for it um, because their needs are going to continue to be their reality. Their yeah. health care continues. Their mental wellness super matters to me. Can and we, can we talk about the mental health yeah. part of things? Because I yeah. know that's something that a lot of people are incredibly uncomfortable talking yeah. about. I mean, it's... It's an invisible thing that you mm-hmm. can't see. It's, I mean, it is a disability mm-hmm. and it's not visible. And I think often it's like whether you have a two year old who has autistic tendencies and can't be diagnosed yet, or you right. have a 13 year old who has, you know, extreme bipolar tendencies, or you have, you know, a kid with mitochondrial disease and they just chalk up to, well, is it his brain? Is it his disease? Is it, you know, but he's having these outbursts still. So how have you navigated the the mental health portion of this? I would say some days not very well, other days a little bit better, but it's hard because there's not, and right now, I think it's harder post-pandemic, there's not enough practitioners to take care yeah. of the needs in our community right now. There is not. And sometimes, and I don't know, Sometimes I wish I had more money and I could just go pay for things. But that's not our reality. So we've worked through a lot of therapists and and I think the hard part is the right fit. And we're a complex family. Like we have child abuse in the background. We have true trauma in the background. We have a lot of issues that have happened since then with sibling groups being separated and it's just messy. We're we're not a good fit for um, somebody without significant years of of, of practice. Um, mm-hmm. And so when you find that right person, like I'm just like a leech, and I just want to learn and soak up everything up, and I and I want things to happen faster. And then the hard part for me is I can't make this happen faster. It's not like with asthma, and I get the inhaler, and the medicine works right away, or I get the nebulizer. Mm-hmm trying to solve medication management, especially during teenage years where they're growing every day and hormones are changing and medication management is almost impossible, it felt like, for some times. Trying to get the right diagnosis to get a path that would talk about what additional therapies would right. be helpful, what other types of therapy might be helpful. There's also different things that I would research on my own for different Um, holistic methods that might be helpful like is there anything else I could do I just remember trying to grasp at every straw like if we change the food if we change the mattress if we do like what could we like I just remember trying to find anything that would help my kids not be basically in in pain because that's what mental health is sometimes mental diagnosis they're in pain and I was just searching for every way to 
to fix it. And sometimes going to the therapist every other week is not enough. We need more. I remember finding some different things that talked about neuropathways and can you help train them to go in new ways and trying all kinds of different things. And I think everything was helpful. But some days I go, it still doesn't feel like enough. Like I don't mm-hmm. always feel like I had everything I needed when my kids needed it the most. And it's still an evolving thing. Mm. I mean, it still changes. Like right now, I know that your family is semi-stable right now. Yeah. And things are floating in an okay direction. But I don't know about you, but I always kind of just like wait for the next wave to throw us off track. Yeah, I think there's always something. And it's this constant mix of being like, I want to enjoy a good day and not be afraid. Mm. Yeah. That tomorrow... Or is something going on? Like, is this really real? It's it's a weird journey in my head, for sure. Yeah. And I think one thing that I could be better at is taking care of some things for myself as much as I take care of them for my kid. And That's what I was going to ask you next. People How like, does like, all of this affect your mental health? <laughs> some people like go, uh, all right, I love it when a therapist goes, can I get you with some appointments? And I'm like, when? Like, when am yeah. I supposed to work that in? Like... You're saying that not only does my kid need this, but this would be helpful, and we should try activities so they can grow socially and this, that. I'm like, when? Like, really? Mm -hmm. Like, that stresses me out for you to tell me I need one more appointment. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So some some days are better than others. I think that that's probably what a lot of moms would say. It's like, some days I'm better at it than others. Yesterday, I just wanted to cry after trying to have a conversation with one of my kids. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, I don't have time to cry until maybe about 8.30 tonight. Let so me just schedule need to that hold it. Yeah, my, let me hold that yeah. together. Um, hold on, let me pull out my Google Calendar real quick <laughs> and pencil that one in at 8.42 after. Right. Yeah. It's just, and I'm like, okay. And then, you know, by 8.30, I'm like, well, I don't even remember what I'm supposed to do. So <laughs> you, just, you just keep going in the moment. And uh, I really, I want to help my kids because I really want my kids to feel successful and be successful. And mm-hmm. I don't like not having answers for my kids. I already feel like they've been through enough, like they shouldn't have to go through anymore. They've been through in a lifetime, in a tiny little lifetime, what no human should have to go through. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why we don't have a system that fixes that easily for them. And I just get mad. Mm -hmm. I just get mad about that. And then I see what CHKD did you know, opening the new mental health hospital. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I toured that. And I was like, they thought of everything from the mom perspective. And I guess from the dad perspective too, but you know, I've got mom Mm -hmm. brain. And I look at every little detail they put in there. And I was like, it's like they heard us. They know what would make the difference. And uh, I'm so grateful to see that we have that now. Yeah. And for those who are not local, our local children's hospital just opened an entire pavilion that's going to serve the mental health community of our children. So it it's going to be great. And um, just, to just have, have more to practitioners. Re- yeah, there's like more and more resources here. Yeah. But it, it's making it an okay conversation to have. So yeah. I don't have to pretend like my family isn't going through anything. And I think that's yeah. what's shifting post-pandemic. Like for parents and caregivers of the young people who have mental health diagnosis, We've had to be quiet. We've had to be quiet. 
I feel like we have had to be quiet because it's not a comfortable conversation. So I'm appreciative of the people who spoke loudly and boldly about this is a real issue in our community because I think we can all heal when we can talk about it. Mm-hmm. I know I remember learning in a, a self-help group years ago that a shared burden is halved. And I'm like, wow, if we could all half our burdens by having a place that we can now talk from, we'll be, we'll be all of us will be better. Yeah. It, it doesn't solve everything, but it certainly is helpful to have more resources and more Absolutely. permission to talk. And to, and to normalize the conversation of all of this. I posted on Instagram yesterday a picture of me in Key West. And I figured it would get a little question because you'll know, like, did she go back to Key West? But it was an old picture. But I'm doing EMDR therapy right now. And I am going through a lot of trauma that I've been through over the last seven years. And I had a couple people message me privately and say, thank you for posting that. Like, I know it took a lot for you to write about the trauma that you're processing, but thank you because I needed to see that. And I want people to realize that it's okay to, it's okay to go to therapy. It's okay to get help. It's okay to say my brain is not doing what I need it to do right now. It's okay to take medicine. Like, I mean, we have to, we have to treat our mental health the same way we would treat, you know, our physical health. If we had a broken arm, we would work on that. Like, yeah, it's just, yeah. And I, I'd like to just offer a glimmer of hope that I'm starting to see yeah. our kids, my kids, this generation of kids, perhaps are going to be way better at this. And I already see it because I went to a conference this week and uh, they talked about generational differences. When you talk about de- major depression and, and suicide and some of those are the trainings I have had to go to as a mom. And she said something like, you know, we we didn't talk about this. And if this happened in your family, it was a, what happens at home stays at home kind of a situation. And I listened to my kids in the backseat of the car because I've learned that sometimes you just don't talk. You just let, like listen. And um, my kids are talking about so-and-so. And they're like, yeah, she has to go to therapy. So she can't hang out today. Or he's dealing with a lot of anxiety right now. So I just, you know, and I'm like why are you talking about this? And they go, because everybody's got something they're going through. So we just talk about it. And I'm like, you don't think that's weird? And they're like, no. And I'm like, that gives me chills because it's so beautiful. Like they're giving their peers the grace that we should be giving our peers. Like, yeah, you know, we are, I don't know about you, but I hold myself to a standard of don't let people know that you're about to have a mental breakdown, get your job done. Uh, don't let them know that you're about to fall apart. But then your, your kids are like, Hey, he can't hang out today because his anxiety is a little high. I need friends like that. <laughs> well, it's just like, you know, my husband just got a, like a new hip and he had physical therapy. We had no problem talking about him going to physical therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, huh. I don't get it, but here we are. But I, it gives me hope, and it, I still think it's weird. I'm like, I think that's a private conversation. My kids go, nothing's private. And I'm like, something maybe should still be private, but, you know, <laughs> we'll find that conversation later. But, yeah, I mean, how can we teach this generation that it's okay conversation? And I just love it. So, like, well, you know, I have therapy on Tuesday, so I can't hang out. Oh, cool. 
Now we know. Yeah, yeah. Um, now we know. So it's that kind of stuff makes me feel calm a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then I still really want to fix my kids. Like, I really want to make sure I'm doing everything for my kids. And some days I don't feel like we have the resources that my kids deserve yeah. to have. Yeah. So as a mom who is years into this, if you were talking to a mom who is early in her motherhood journey and she's struggling because her child is struggling with mental health issues, what piece of advice would you give to that mom? Or dad or caregiver, but yeah. we're in the mom world right now. Yeah, yeah. I'd say find your squad, even if it's a small squad. Like, we all need a squad. Like, we need a mom squad. I look back and I go, as many people that my life does not include anymore, and then I look at the people who I've been blessed along the way to have made relationships, like, with you, and it's like, how did we meet, and how did this happen, and how did we... Doodle. It's just the God moment, right? It's just God doodle. takes care of us mm-hmm. in all of these yeah. moments. I truly believe that some people are in your life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. And there's a lot of reason people, and there's a lot of season people, and we're just blessed with them. So look up, I would say, to a young mom and find your squad because you need it, and you deserve it as a mom to have people to talk through along your journey because there's moments that are just scary because you feel alone. And they're not as scary when mm-hmm. you've got your little squad that you can talk to. And um, there's more moms out there that are going through this. This is what I've learned. But we were just told not to talk about it before. Yeah. So somebody has to say it first. Yep. And then I guarantee you're going to look around the room and there's going to be like, yep, yep, yep. And I'm like, really? And then I've met all these other folks whose kids have, you know, more in the teenage years or later years started to exhibit, you know, signs that they need help as well. And, you know, just, it's a journey and we just always have to be prepared for the journey. But uh, somebody has to say something first. I never knew so many people had, like, kiddos that have autism. Like, Mm -hmm. really? There's like hundreds of us out here. I just... Yeah. And And that's what I love about this project because it's bringing people to this platform to talk about what we're going through. And so many moms specifically have said the stuff you say on your show, I feel seen, I feel heard. And I finally feel like someone, uh, someone somewhere understands what I'm going through. So how have you found your community? Because I know there's moms listening right now going, I want to find my tribe. I want to find my squad. Any recommendations that has helped you find people or is it just is it just that we need to put ourselves out there and say, hey, I mean, you and I, we met through Lorelai. And then I was like, hey, if you ever want to go for a walk and drink wine, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> right. I um, I I just am trying to think of like the people that have come into my life. I mean, I just feel like they were truly placed at the right time and and they didn't get scared away. They stayed. Mm-hmm. And I. It might not be a huge group, but they stayed. When they heard the truth or saw my moment, they didn't run away. Yeah. You know. Just hang on to those. Yeah. Yep. 
I mean, not everybody can tell some stories like I've got. Like, we got kicked out of Chick E. Cheese. Like, we really, like, we've had some moments. And the people that can hang with you when you're getting kicked out of Chuck E. Cheese, man, those are just, those. Okay, are people. we're going to have to do that. As a <laughs> we're going to pause that and do that as a bonus content. <laughs> There's people. Yeah, they love you. Accept the love. Okay. Just accept the love. Accept the love. I love that. So thank you for sharing your story with us today. Absolutely. Um, I wrap up the show with one question. Everybody gets this question. It's what gives you hope? What gives me hope? So many things really, really do give me hope. There is just, there is so much that is going right. I sometimes just have to write it down and I go, wow, that list is long. There is just so, so much. Our community is just full of great, great families and great people who care so much and that that have gone through a journey that they're willing to share, which makes me realize that I can get through it too, no matter Mm -hmm. what comes. I mean, we can get through it. And we have this great community of people who are just going to walk alongside, and it's just a beautiful thing. And I would say this generation of kids gives me hopes too. As much as I don't agree with everything, I'm like, wow, they're really smart about things that, would have been helpful for all of us to as have. much as I don't agree with the whole middle part thing like I'm sticking with the side <laughs> part I think they're doing it right talking about anxiety and things yeah. like that amongst their peers it's gonna be huge uh, for them the talking not the middle part fair point fair <laughs> point I know that this conversation took a lot it took both of us being vulnerable but it took us talking about things that apparently our children are far more open to talking about. You know, it does give me so much hope to hear that that it's okay to be like, hey, I can't make it today because I have therapy. Or, hey, I'm really struggling with my anxiety or my depression right now. I just can't do that. And that our children are going, that's okay. We'll see you next time. We'll, you know, like... That's amazing and beautiful and tragic and sad, but it's also the way that we can all support each other through this crazy thing called life. Tracy, thank you for being here and for sharing your story. And I'm so glad that our paths have crossed and maybe one day we'll get that walk with wine. We've talked about it for a very long time, but maybe one day. Until next time, guys. This is Suze, and I need to run downstairs and clean out my van because we're going out of town, and my van is probably messier than my closet. Let's be real. Anybody else's van fill up with things magically, and it just magically, magically piles up, and then you're like, oh gosh, yeah, that's what I'm going to go take care of. Catch you next time. <laughs>